Can't sleep? Won't sleep? Afraid to sleep? Perhaps what you need is a story, a bedtime story, to lull you into the world of dreams, or maybe nightmares. Are the windows closed? Are your doors locked? Maybe you should keep a light on in the hallway, just in case. Now settle in, make yourself comfortable, lay back, close your eyes, and let me tell you a story. Hi, this is Rich Hosek. Had any good nightmares lately? Try this one on for size. Alien Me, as read by me. What is your worst nightmare? Being chased by some unseen monster through the woods at night? Realizing that you have a test coming up and you haven't studied? Or showing up at work and discovering that you forgot to put on your pants and your underwear? What about waking up to find yourself abducted by aliens of a most insidious nature. Now, imagine that it's not a dream. Creatures from outer space have landed and have rendered you helpless as they take over your life and the lives of the people you care about. In that case, waking up is the nightmare. Alien Me The voices woke me. They were oddly familiar but also different in some way that bothered my senses. Telemetry recording is on, one of the voices said. It was a woman's voice, someone I knew. But my mind was cloudy. The connections between what I was hearing and my memories weren't working properly. The name of the person I was listening to is on the edge of my recall, but frustratingly out of reach. I tried to open my eyes, but my lids failed to move. I tried to move my head, but again, something was blocking my attempt. Was I paralyzed? Had I been in some sort of an accident? I listened more intently. My hearing seemed to be the only sense that was working. There was some machine in the distance that was beeping at regular intervals, and I could hear other sounds. Something moved across the floor on wheels. I think there was a fan blowing somewhere as well, and some sort of electric hum that I couldn't identify. It could be a hospital, or perhaps an operating room. Was that why the voices sounded odd to me? Were they being muffled by surgical masks? Was I one of those rare cases where someone woke up under anesthesia and broke through the drugs that rendered me unconscious so that I would be aware of what was happening while the surgeons cut me open? Could I feel pain? Would I experience the excruciating agony that accompanied a scalpel slicing through my skin and sutures repairing whatever damage had delivered me into this situation? But there was no pain. Whatever was paralyzing me was thankfully sparing me that unimaginable torture. Okay, let's deactivate the visual sensory blocks, a male voice said. Deactivate visual sensory blocks? Were they intentionally blinding me? What had happened? Were my eyes damaged? My brain? Suddenly, I was able to see. A bright white light filled my vision. Gradually, it dimmed and shapes started to form. I tried to blink, but although it seemed I could not open my eyes, I couldn't close them. I could see a light in front of me, or was it above me? I felt like I was lying on my back, but I couldn't be certain. The more I focused on what I could see, 
the more my newly restored sight confirmed that I was peering upward. There were lights and apparatus visible above me. But they didn't look like the kind of things you would find in an operating room. For one thing, the ceiling was not as high as I expected it would be, and the light was too bright to make out any details, but it was not like what you'd expect to find in a surgical theater, and appeared to be poised on the end of an articulated arm. Beyond it, the ceiling was plain white, as far as I could tell, sterile and seamless. Why couldn't I move my head? Why couldn't I move my eyes or look around? I was starting to panic. What was happening to me? Who were these people? Where was I? I tried to recall the last thing I could remember. I was in my lab with Jenna, my wife. We were finishing a takeout dinner. Thai food, Jenna's favorite. We were talking about something, but like the nebulous connection between the voices in the room where I was trapped, unable to move, and my memories, the topic of that conversation eluded me. I must have told a joke, however, because I could recall at one point she nearly sprayed a mouthful of pad thai all over the table, trying not to laugh too hard. Jenna and I had been together since college. I could remember that much. And once I recalled that, more details about our relationship fell into place. We had gotten married on the beach on a terribly windy day. We had two children, both girls, and she was constantly trying to get me to agree to try again for a boy. We lived in a house we had built on a piece of land Jenna had inherited. We worked for a tech startup, one that a friend of ours from college had funded with the proceeds from a previous startup that had left him a billionaire. Oddly, I couldn't remember either the name of the company or what we did. Maybe I did have brain damage. Had I been in an accident? Did I break my neck in addition to injuring my head? Is that why I couldn't move and wasn't feeling any pain? But why wasn't I in a hospital? It was becoming more and more apparent to me that wherever I was, it was not a medical facility that I could recognize. What else could I remember? Had we gone home? I struggled to recall the events after our office dinner, but all I could remember was blackness. A blackness dotted with small, distant, twinkling lights. I knew what this was. Why was my brain denying me the ability to put a name to it? The sky. It was the night sky, filled with stars and a few wisps of clouds floating by on an evening breeze. We were outside, standing on a balcony just outside my office. We were on the top floor of a three-story building, our arms wrapped around each other, waiting for something to happen. Then I remembered what we were waiting for. There was a meteor shower that night, and Jenna had wanted to see it and make a wish. I suspected she was wishing I would give in and go along with her plan for another kid. We didn't have to wait long. Meteorites streaked across the sky, some of them close enough and bright enough to light up the woods around us. Jenna clutched me tight as it seemed the metallic rocks from space seemed to be getting near. Then, one of them actually landed. It smashed into the woods, not far from us, throwing up a flare of light and followed a few seconds later by a loud boom. Oh, I hope it doesn't start a forest fire, Jenna said. Maybe we should go out and make sure. It's got to be four or five miles away, and who knows if it landed near the road, I replied. Shouldn't we call someone? We're not the only ones who saw or heard it. If it did start a fire, someone closer will call. Jenna wrapped her arms around me, but I could tell she wasn't going to be satisfied unless she knew for herself that the meteorite hadn't created a conflagration that had somehow escaped everyone else in the county. To be honest, I was kind of curious to see what had landed. Okay, I said. Let's go check it out. But I couldn't remember anything beyond that point. Have we tried to find it? Did my ten-year-old Prius make it to the crash site? Or did we run into a fallen tree? Or have a blowout that sent us careening into a ravine? Jenna. Was Jenna okay? 
Had she been hurt? The voices pulled me back from my reverie. Is he responding? The male voice asked. Why was it so familiar? I think so, but I can't tell for sure, the female voice replied. Then my mind finally made the connection. The woman who was just out of view was Jenna. As if she could hear my thoughts, she leaned over into my field of vision, staring straight into my eyes. Jenna, what was going on? She didn't seem hurt herself, which was a relief, but what was she doing? Who was she talking to? Then the owner of the other voice leaned in as well. If I could have screamed, I would have. It was me. The face of the man looking down at me was the same one I had seen in the mirror for the last 37 years. What the hell was going on? He shook his head. My head. I don't know, he said. Maybe there was a problem with the integration process. Integration process? What was he talking about? Panic welled up in me. But the usual sensations that accompanied those rare moments when I felt out of control were missing. I couldn't feel my pulse racing or my breath growing faster and shallower. Maybe it was attached to some sort of heart-lung machine. But that didn't explain the man who was my exact, and I mean down to the nick on my chin from shaving that morning, replica. Who was he? Why did he look like me, sound like me? And why was Jenna helping him do whatever it was they were doing to me? Then it hit me. Why did I assume it was Jenna? Or at least my Jenna? If there was a doppelganger of me, why did I assume the woman who looked like my wife was actually her? Why did I assume either of them was human? What if that meteorite wasn't a random piece of rock that had the misfortune to intersect Earth's orbit? What if it had been something with a purpose? Something alien? Something capable of making perfect replicas of myself and Jenna? Had they intercepted us on the way to the crash site, or rather landing site? Or had we actually made it there and stepped right into their trap? In either case, the aliens had disabled us rendered us immobile and unconscious through some advanced technological means or perhaps using some alien biological process to subvert our ability to fight back, to resist. And then they had duplicated us. It looked like they had taken the clothes from our bodies to wear themselves, and then what? Beamed us back aboard a mothership? Or maybe simply put us in the back of the Prius and drove us someplace where they could conduct their experiments? Is that why my memory seems so full of holes? Had part of the duplication process included copying my mind as well? Was that the integration process he, or rather it, had mentioned earlier? He thought about it. It was the perfect way to invade Earth. Take over the population. Replace us until they had enough of them to overpower and control us. How long had they been at it? Had they been doing it for years? Or were Jenna and I their first victims? I still wondered, though, why had they kept me alive? Was there still something they needed from me? If I was alive, was it possible that Jenna was as well? What if our abduction and duplication wasn't random? What if they had come specifically for us? I still couldn't remember what I did, what my research was about. Had they extracted that information from me during the integration process? Did they miss something? Is that why they were keeping me alive? To dig those remaining memories out of my mind? Was what Jenna and I did crucial to their plan? Or did we hold the key to stopping them? Think, Alan, think. What do they want from you? It was no use. I couldn't remember. Other memories came flooding back. Memories of Janie and Kira, our daughters. The first moments I held them in my arms. Their first steps. Birthday parties with their friends. 
reading them stories in bed, teasing them while we watched scary movies in the dark. There had to be something, some reason I was special, some purpose they hoped to achieve by subjecting me to their alien experimentation and mental dissection. What was it I did? What work did Jenna and I share? If I could hold on to that knowledge, somehow thwart the efforts of these alien impersonators and keep them from getting whatever it was they needed from my mind, maybe I could stop them. I needed to be able to move. If I could escape somehow, maybe I could raise the alarm and prevent whatever nefarious plans they had from coming to be. But whatever they had done, whatever devices or drugs had immobilized me and put me at their utter mercy, it was beyond my ability to overcome. Nothing I tried worked. I still couldn't even move my eyes or blink, let alone wiggle a finger or toe or stand. Something's going on, the Jenna clone reported. We're getting activity. Anything you can identify? She shook her head. No, I haven't seen this before. Then another thought occurred to me. How long had I been their prisoner? How long did it take for whatever alien process they used to duplicate a human to complete? It felt to me like it had been mere hours, but I had no way to confirm that. They could have been keeping me in a coma for days or even months. But would that fit into their plans? Had they already insinuated themselves into our lives? Into our children's lives? Oh, God. Had they duplicated Janie and Kira, too? The thought was too much for me to bear. I had to get out. I had to escape. I had to stop them. Could it be attempts at motor activity? Alien me asked. The genoclone pondered the idea. Perhaps. But why? Does it think it can move? The face that had once been my sole property cocked an eyebrow as he stared into my eyes. I don't know. Yes. Yes, I'm trying to move, I tried to shout. Whatever you did to leave me like this, just turn it off. Let me speak and maybe I'll tell you what you want to know. Or maybe I'll find a way to kill you, you alien bastards. Whoa, something just happened, Jenna Clone said. Yeah, but not what we wanted to happen, alien me said, disappointed. Good, I thought to myself. You'll never get what you want from me. As long as I have an iota of life left, I will fight you, I promised. I'll see you in hell, you vile, despicable. Shut him down. Alien me said, and everything went dark. Alan and Jenna stared at their handiwork on the table. Jenna switched off machines while Alan disconnected various leads. What do you think went wrong? Jenna asked. I don't know. I was sure for a moment there we would get confirmation this time. Jenna placed a comforting hand on Alan's shoulder and drew him into a warm embrace. She pulled back and gave him a quick kiss, a promise that they would succeed someday. We'll crack it. Yeah, hopefully before Dylan's money runs out. Dylan's money will never run out. He believes in us. Alan shook his head, his mind returning to the problem. He sat on a stool and stared at the large crystalline sphere sitting on the workbench. He couldn't see them with the naked eye, but embedded in its structure were nearly a hundred billion artificial neurons designed to mimic the human brain. It was his and Jenna's dream to be able to duplicate a human consciousness inside one of their new minds. Jenna and Alan didn't care for the moniker. It had been Dylan's idea, and since he wrote the checks, he got to name it. However, the process they used to map those billions of neurons from a human brain still obviously needed some work. The several dozen attempts they had made to imprint Alan's mind, using the high-resolution EEG scanner Jenna had invented, had so far failed, though this last attempt had yielded at least something. The new mind was showing activity, and some of it was close to what you would expect from a human brain. But were they kidding themselves that they could duplicate such a complicated biological computer inside something inanimate? 
It had been Jenna's idea to add some sensory input, both auditory and visual. But had that helped? Or was it too much for the new mind to handle? Well, that was a problem they could tackle another day. Come on, Jenna urged. Let's go home. We promised the girls they could watch the rest of the meteor shower tonight. Do you still think they'll be awake? Alan asked. Of course. I haven't been able to give them the sleep since you made them watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I didn't make them watch it. They love watching those old science fiction movies with me, Alan said. Yes, that certainly is something they got from you. We're going to watch The Blob next, Alan promised, walking with Jenna out of the office. Jenna shook her head and sighed as she switched off the lights. Someday, she warned, you're going to wake up thinking you're in one of those movies. Thank you for listening to Alien Me, written especially for the Bedtime Stories for Insomniac's Fiction podcast by Rich Hosek. Please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on Audible, and share these stories with your friends and anyone who enjoys audiobooks. Speaking of audiobooks, if you're a fan of the paranormal, Near Death, a rainy day investigation, is currently being serialized on this very podcast. New chapters are posted weekly. And if you're looking for other original story podcasts, check out As Read By Me at, not surprisingly, asreadbyme.com. They have an eclectic mix of fiction, poetry, and essays that are sure to keep you entertained, all read by the authors. You can find out more about this podcast and the host of Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs at richhosick.com. Thanks again, and all the very best. <laughs>